Welcome back to another episode of RIACF Levisory University, where we are currently exploring everything you ever wanted to know about RIA law and compliance, but we're afraid to ask. My name is Jeff Smith, and I'm the founder and managing attorney for Levisory and the CEO of RIA Compliance Firm. Levisory and RIA Compliance Firm primarily focus on the legal and compliance needs of both state and SEC registered investment advisors. Therefore, if you have any questions about any of this material, that I'm covering in these episodes or want RIA compliance firm to conduct an initial free compliance assessment for your RIA, then please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, you can reach me at jsmith at lawvisory.com or 248-376-1480. So today we're actually looking at SEC rule 20642, which is known as the custody rule. So with that, let's get started. Under Rule 20642 of the Advisors Act, uh, the SEC says that it's fraudulent practice for a registered investment advisor to have custody of client funds or securities unless the advisor takes certain required steps to protect the assets. The first question that is generally asked when looking at the issue of custody is whether the RIA has custody of client assets. The custody rule was first modernized in November of 2003 and in what was called the adopting release for the final rule, the SEC provides a definition of custody, as well as three examples of what generally constitutes custody. Let's first look at the definition of custody and then review the examples given. An advisor has custody of client assets and therefore must comply with the custody rule when it holds directly or indirectly client funds or securities or has any authority to obtain possession of them. Since this definition is not entirely clear, let's look at the examples provided by the SEC as part of their adopting release. So the first example um, clarifies that an advisor has custody when it has possession of client funds or securities, even briefly. An advisor that holds clients stock certificates or cash, even temporarily, puts those assets at risk of misuse or loss. The amendments, however, expressly exclude inadvertent receipt by the advisor of client funds or securities, so long as the advisor returns them to the sender within three business days of receiving them. So the amendment that we're talking about is the amendment that the SEC came out with in um, November of 2003. So the rule does not permit advisors to forward clients funds and securities without having custody. Although advisors may certainly assist clients in such matters, in addition, the amendments uh, from 2003 clarify that an advisor's possession of a check drawn by the client and made payable to a third party is not possession of client funds for purposes of the custody definition and therefore not custody. The second example provided by the SEC clarifies that an advisor has custody if it has the authority to withdraw funds or securities from a client's account. An advisor with power of attorney to sign checks on a client's behalf to withdraw funds or securities from a client's account or to dispose of client funds or securities for any purposes other than authorized trading has access to the client's assets and therefore custody. Similarly, an advisor authorized to deduct advisory fees or other expenses directly from a client's account has access to and therefore has custody of the client's funds and securities in that account. In this example, these advisors might not have possession of client assets, but they have the authority to obtain possession, which is why there's custody. Now, the third example provided by the SEC in their adopting release 
clarifies that an advisor has custody if it acts in any capacity that gives the advisor legal ownership of or access to the client funds or securities. One common instance is a firm that acts as both a general partner and investment advisor to a limited partnership, such as in private funds. By virtue of its position as general partner, the advisor generally has authority to dispose of funds and securities in the limited partnership's account and thus has custody of, of client assets. Now that we've discussed the definition of custody and provided clarifying examples of when an RIA has custody in the eyes of the SEC, let's look at what the SEC requires when the RIA does have custody. The SEC, as part of their adopting a release in November 2003, created a requirement that advisors with custody of client funds and securities maintain them with qualified custodians. So, what or who is a qualified custodian, you might ask? Well, this is generally a bank or broker-dealer. However, the SEC has also included in this definition registered futures commission merchants and foreign financial institutions that customarily hold financial assets for the customers, provided that uh, the foreign financial institution keeps advisory clients' assets in customer accounts that are segregated from its proprietary assets. The SEC requires also that Qualified custodians um, hold the funds or securities in an account either under the client's name or under the advisor's name as agents or trustee for its clients. Rule 20642 also requires that advisors with custody of clients' funds or securities have a reasonable belief that the qualified custodian holding the assets provides periodic statements to those clients. In December 2009, the SEC further amended the custody rule to add some additional requirements for those RIAs that have custody. These requirements were created in, in part in response to the Madoff scandal. Uh, these additional requirements include the following. Number one, all advisors with custody must have a reasonable basis after due inquiry for believing that the qualified custodian maintaining client assets sends quarterly account statements directly to each client. Number two, all advisors that have custody of client assets except those accepted or deemed to have satisfied the requirement as described further by the SEC to undergo an annual surprise examination by an independent public accountant to verify client assets. And number three, annual financial statement audits of pooled investment vehicles must be performed by an independent public accountant, accountant that is registered with and subject to regular inspection by the PCAOB, which is the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. Um, if an advisor relies on delivery of the audited statements to pool investors as a means to satisfy the custody rule, as opposed to the surprise examination, RIAs must obtain or receive from a qualified custodian a report of the internal controls relating to custody of client assets prepared by an independent public accountant that is registered with and subject to regular inspection by the PCAOB if the custodian is the advisor or a related person of the advisor and maintains advisory client assets in connection with advisory services. As part of the same 2009 amendment to the custody rule, the SEC amended the definition of custody to specifically include the definition of custody arrangements where an advisor's related person has custody of client assets in connection with advisory services the advisor provides to clients. For example, if an affiliated broker-dealer of an investment advisor maintains custody of client assets as qualified custodian in connection with advisory services, the investment advisor would have custody of those client assets. Another major development in the application of the custody rule in February 2017 
came in the form of a response to a no-action letter request submitted to the SEC by the Investment Advisors Association, IAA, which was also complemented by updates to the SEC's frequently asked questions and updated SEC guidance regarding the custody rule. So you'll definitely want to take a look at those. Um, as a little background, a no-action letter request is a letter to the SEC that sets forth facts and a request that under such specific facts that the SEC not take enforcement action against an individual or entity engaging in activities squarely within those facts. So, in this no-action letter request from the Investment Advisors Association, the request was that the SEC not bring an enforcement action against an RIA that did not have a surprise audit where certain key facts existed. The SEC responded by saying that if seven specific criteria are met, then the RIA is not required to obtain a surprise audit. Since surprise audits increase the cost of compliance, the RIA community has had great interest in these seven criteria that we are now going to cover. The SEC said in its response that so long as seven specific conditions are satisfied, an advisor with a third-party standing letter of authorization from a client, which are very common in our industry, will not be subject to the custody rules annual surprise exam requirement. The seven conditions are as follows. The client provides an instruction to the qualified custodian in writing that includes the client's signature, the third party's name, and either the third party's address or the third party's account number at a custodian to which the transfer would be directed. That's the first requirement. Now, second requirement is the client authorizes the investment advisor in writing either on the qualified custodian's form or separately um, to direct transfers to the third party, either on a specified schedule or um, from time to time. Um, number three, the client's qualified custodian performs appropriate verification of the instruction, such as a signature review or other method to verify the client's authorization and provides a transfer of funds notice to the client promptly after each transfer. Now, the fourth requirement is that the client has the ability to terminate or change the instruction to the client's qualified custodian. Okay, next requirement. The investment advisor has no authority or ability to designate or change the identity of the third party, the address, or any other information about the third party contained in the client's instruction. The next requirement is that the investment advisor maintains records showing that the third party is not a related party of the investment advisor, or located at the same address as the investment advisor. And the next requirement is the client's qualified custodian sends the client in writing an initial notice confirming the instruction and annual uh, notice reconfirming the instruction. Therefore, if all of these seven conditions are met, as further clarified by the SEC over the last three years in their guidance, uh, then an RAA that has standing letters of authorization from clients will not be required to have surprise, a surprise audit, assuming no other surprise custody triggers are, are in existence. So since this rule has been the cause of several enforcement actions, I highly recommend that you make sure that your firm is in full compliance with this rule and all other SEC guidance in this area. Since this brings us to the end of our discussion around Rule 20642, the custody rule, if you have any questions about any of this material or want RIA Compliance Firm to conduct an initial free compliance assessment for your RIA, then please don't hesitate to reach out. You can reach me at jsmith at lawvisory.com or 248-376-1480. Please note that all engagements are usually conducted in conjunction with Lawvisory. 
to have the attorney-client privilege and confidentiality firmly in place um, to protect client communications. Um, this allows our clients to be honest and open with us, you know, without the fear of such communications ending up in the hands of the regulators or anyone else for that matter. Be sure to view our next episodes uh, since you won't want to miss our detailed discussions of other rules adopted by the SEC under Section 206, since these make up you know, a large amount of an RIA's compliance program and its policies and procedures. So goodbye for now, and thanks so much for watching. <laughs>